Uh, we pray everybody is well. We know weather, the weather is supposed to get a little bit more intense as the day goes on into tomorrow morning. So make sure y'all stay warm, stay safe, and most of all, be in prayer. Uh, prayer. How many of y'all know prayer covers every situation that we can that we can encounter? So let's just stay in prayer. Um, it is today is the last day of our seven day fast week. So at the we had a twenty one day fast, but also at the beginning of the month we have. Um, a week of fasting and prayer, and so this is the last day. We were supposed to have a, um, a night of prayer tonight, but of course we're going to have to reschedule that, so make sure to pray at home. I, I, yesterday I prayed from 7 to 8, so I want to encourage you to pray uh, this evening from 7 to 8 in your home, and uh, bring your family together, even if you have your children, bring them together, and we can join together in spirit, not necessarily in person, but in spirit. So I wanted just to recap a couple of announcements. First of all, our EXO simulcast was supposed to be last uh, two days ago, Friday night and Saturday morning, but we had to reschedule, so we will have it this Friday and Saturday. I know there's uh, a few people that are not able to attend, um, but I know this opens up uh, the ability for more people to come in, and so I want to encourage you, if you have not signed up yet, uh, to sign up for this marriage event. We... Um, did a marriage series uh, in the sorry we're already in, in the month of February, but in December we had a marriage series, and I really believe that the Lord spoke to many people, many marriages. This is an opportunity to uh, to uh, resource your marriage and to come together to get refocused. And so I just really want to encourage you to sign up. We had several people sign up. Um, I will say this, and I want to I make an appeal to my single friends. Uh, I didn't see a lot of single people that were signed up, and I spoke to a few of them, and I know coming to an event like this can be very um, weird, for lack of a better, for lack of better words, can be weird, um, and like, oh, I'm out of place, and, and this and that, but let me tell you, we, we've said this many times, if you belong to Jesus, if you have given your life to him, you're married to him. Um, I'm single. I've been single for eight, nine years. Quit counting after, after five. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, everything I know about marriage has been from these conferences. Yes, I have, uh, I have my parents are married. Other people are married. But many of the things I've learned have come from these conferences. I'm telling you, it is gonna help, it's preparing me to become a good husband one day. And so if you're single and you are thinking about maybe getting married one day, maybe not this year, next year, maybe not in 10 years, but one day getting married, I want to encourage you to please sign up. Um, if you are attending and you're single, invite some of your other single friends. I promise you won't regret it. Um, the Lord will really, really speak to you. So that's this Friday and Saturday. Also, small groups kick off this weekend, this week. So... Um, I want to just give you our small group mission statement real quick. I don't know if this will be on the screen, but this is our mission for our small groups. To create a space where, where relationships can grow and people are challenged to take the next step. It's in small groups where we, have, where we develop personal relationships with other people. You can do that to a small degree on Sunday morning. But it's really when you get together with other people that are in similar situations, similar life circumstances, where you can make that connection, where you can pray with one another, that you can share your life with each other. We read from the book of Acts last week, Acts chapter 2. The early church actually looked more like a small group than it actually did like a traditional church service that we see today. 
in, in, in America and around the world. It looked more like a small group. So if you're not connected to a small group, you're really not experiencing what God intended for the church, his church to experience. So I want to encourage you to sign up at kingdomodessa.com. And if you've already signed up, I want to encourage you to commit through these next 11 weeks. I believe we're going to go through the end of, in the end of um, March, whatever, February, March, end of April. And I want to encourage you to commit every week through, those, through the, these next 11 weeks. And I believe the Lord is going to speak to you, speak to uh, your, your spouse and your family. And so, anyways, that's our small groups. Uh, today is Valentine's Day, and February 14th, I know Brother Mondo uh, mentioned that. I, uh, I really wanted to, and I've been saying this for the last several weeks, I really wanted to give uh, the word of the year for our church, but as the weather changed, I just really felt like we needed to wait till everyone is here. Uh, I, I know there's several people that watch online each week, but I really felt that we needed to wait for people to come into the auditorium to share the word for the year. And so today we're going to be talking, uh, this is a message on marriage, and uh, I want to first pray, but I want to first uh, just tell a few people Happy Valentine's Day. My mom is here, mom, Happy Valentine's Day. I just want to tell you that I love you, appreciate you. Uh, my sister, Happy Valentine's Day. And then I, I, my grandma, I don't know if she's watching, but I have to show her this video, show her the, the stream later. Happy Valentine's Day. I love y'all. Um, all, the, all the ladies in my life, even my sisters, happy Valentine's Day. Um, the Lord wants to love on you today. So today is a message on marriage, but before we do that, we're going to pray and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit just to come into our homes. I know we're here at the church, but we are together in spirit. It's really important. That's something that's not talked a lot about, but Paul, talked, uh, Paul mentioned this many times as he's writing to these different churches. Hey, I'm not with you in person, but I'm with you in spirit. He wasn't just saying, I'm, I'm, he wasn't just saying my well, wish, well wishes are with you or my, my thoughts. No, he was with them in spirit. And so uh, we don't necessarily understand how that exactly works, but we know we are together because we're, we're coming together in unity. So let's just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come into our homes uh, wherever we're at, and ask him to speak to us this morning. So, Father, we thank you for today. We just want to take a moment and just welcome you into our homes. Not, and not just our physical homes, but, Father, our, our hearts, the home of our heart. It is Valentine's Day, and God, there's no greater love than the love that you have given. There's no greater love. I pray that we would, on a, on a deeper level, experience the love that you have for us. I pray that everyone who is watching, everyone who is, who is at home, would experience the love that you have for them. God, maybe there are some people watching that have never felt your love before. They just know about it. They've heard of John 3.16, of, of how you love the world and that you love, you love everyone, you love your children. But Father, maybe they've never experienced it personally. I pray that today would be the day they experience the love that you have for them. We just love you. We thank you that you're going to do these things. Your word said is not your will that any should perish, but all that, should, that all should come to repentance. And so, Father, I pray that you would just draw every person in this morning. We just want to take a moment and lay aside every weight and every burden that is on our hearts and on our minds this morning. Maybe it's this weather. Maybe many of us don't like this weather. Or it's caused some uh, issues at home or with the bills or with the house or whatever. Father, we just lay all of that to the side. And we, and we pr give you room to speak to us this morning. So we just thank you for everything you're doing. God, we ask for you to have your way in this service this morning. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone says amen. Amen. So the title of today's message is The Curse of the Fall. This is a marriage message, and it's a message on how the fall has affected marriages. Now, what, what I mean by the fall, the fall was when Adam and Eve disobeyed God at the beginning of time. And so we don't know how long Adam and Eve lived before uh, they ate of the fruit and disobeyed God, but we know that there was a point in their history when God told them, hey, you can eat of all the trees of the garden, but this one tree you shouldn't eat, and they ate of it, and therefore they fell. They disobeyed God and brought sin into the world. And I, wanted, I just want to say this. They ate of a fruit. And I'll come back, I'm going to come back to the fall in just a second. But they ate of a, a specific fruit. There was nothing bad about that fruit. There was nothing evil about it. Except that God told them they shouldn't eat it. Which should speak to us that many of the things that God wants us to stay away from, we may not be able to discern that it's actually bad or sinful. But we don't go by our own understanding. We go by what his word tells us. We don't, we don't go by what we think is right. We go by what he says is right. And so this is how they feel. A couple years ago, I was at my house on a Saturday morning and our ladies were having a, a, a Christmas brunch at another lady's house. And I was getting ready when my sister was supposed to be the guest speaker at this, at this, um, at this brunch. Well, she texts me and calls me. At, I think it was like eight in the morning and that brunch was like at 10. And she says, Josh, I just don't, I don't feel well and I'm just not going to be able to make it. And I said, okay. And I said, well, it's too late to find somebody else to, um, to speak to these ladies. So I guess I'm going to have to do it. Now, remember this was a couple years ago. We had just started the church and I thought, what can I speak to these ladies? First of all, I'm a man. And second of all, I'm single. And third of all, I'm young. So what, what can I share these, these ladies that would encourage them? Well, the Lord, as I was getting ready, I was, like, I was just praying, like, Lord, I don't, I don't know what to say. I used, and at that point, I was taking a lot of time to prepare for my messages, and I've shared a little bit about that. And so I was kind of, kind of stressed, and the, and the Lord, as I was getting ready, dropped some revelation in my heart about the role that women play in their husbands' lives. And so I, I'm going to share some of that this morning, and really, as I, after, after that morning, I thought about, uh, thought about what he shared with me, and, and I believe that he showed me how the fall plays into the, some of the marriage struggles that we have today. So if you have a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, in Genesis 1 and 2, God created the entire world, all the animals in it, all the fish in the sea, he... Um, he, all the vegetation, he created everything in Genesis 1 and 2. And he created man and he created Eve. In Genesis 3, the serpent comes along, who we know to be the devil, and he begins to speak to Eve and to tempt her. And how did he tempt her? He said, um, did God say that you shouldn't eat of all, uh, all of the fruits of the trees of the Garden of Eve? And, and Eve said, yeah, we can't eat up all of them except of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, Satan's, and Satan questioned Eve. She, he questioned Eve and he said, did God really say? And you, we have to understand, this is how the enemy takes us captive. He gets us to question what God has said. He, he deceived Eve with a lie. 
He questions her. Did God really say? And then he lied to her. He got her to question if she heard correctly from Adam and from God that, if, that she shouldn't eat this fruit. And then he fed her another lie. He said, God knows that when you eat of this tree, you're going to become just like him. You know, the amazing thing about that lie is that Adam and Eve were already like God. They were immortal. They were perfect. They were never going to die. They were already as much like God as they were going to be. But because Satan opened up that door of doubt, he got Eve to believe this lie and took them captivity. I'll, I'll take this a little further. Anytime we believe a lie, we fall. This is why it's really important that we develop a love for the truth. There's this saying, there's this phrase, ignorant bliss. Bli- um, um, to ignorance is bliss, or to be ignorant. Hey, I don't have to know the truth. Um, Ignorance is not knowing the truth, and when you don't know the truth, you're easily able to fall into a lie, and when you, when you fall into that lie, you go down a path that we wish that we didn't go down. And so this is how um, Eve was deceived. She believed a lie. Now, we're going to pick up at Genesis 3, verse 14. After, after God note, uh, finds out that Adam and Eve ate the fruit, he gives them the consequences. He outlines the consequences of their disobedience. Verse 14, it says, the Lord God said to the serpent, so he he addresses Satan first. He says, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field, and on your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Look at verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In this verse, God explains the battle that we're going to have with the devil. He says, um, the devil is going to bother you. He's going to be picking at your heels. He will always be at your heels. But if, you use this, but if we use the spiritual authority that God has given us, then we'll be able to smash his head. And so this is something that we have to realize. When you become a believer, um, mo- many times your life gets harder because you're going against the grain. The world is going this way, and your flesh is going to go this way. And so when you turn this way, the enemy wants to co- is coming against you. And so he's going to oppose you until we meet the Lord. But one day we're going to be set free. But the Bible promises us that if we, if we use the authority he has given us, we can conquer him. But we have to use the authority. Look at verse 16. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Let me read this in the New Living Translation. Then he said to the woman, God said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth. And you, are, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. There are two consequences for women when it comes to the fall. Number one, you will have pain in childbirth. And some of you ladies could say, that's, that's enough consequence for me. That I, that I don't need any more consequence to, to have learned my lesson. Um, one reason I'm thankful to be a man, I, never, I don't have to ever deliver a child. Um, so that's one consequence. But I think a lot of people skip over the second one. Look at the end of verse 16 in the New Living Translation. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. 
I want to ask a question to all my, all my sisters out there. Have any of y'all ever had the desire to tell your husband what to do? <laughs> Many people say all the time. <laughs> yeah, all the time. But every day, every day I wake up, I have this overwhelming desire to tell him what to do. All the men out there can say amen. That's true. You can, when we can't see you in your home, you can, you can nudge one another. You can, you can duke it. Well, don't duke it out yet. Wait till after the service. I think this will help you. This is a curse from the fall. He says, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. How many of you know a woman will marry a man because she thinks she can change him? It's part of that innate desire to control men. Let me help, let me help you out, uh, ladies, married and single. You can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> who you married is who you married. It doesn't matter how much you pick, how much you say, you cannot change, you cannot change your man, or at least you can't change it, change him that way. Um, this, is some, this is a consequence from the fall. I think a lot of people skip over this verse, but this happened whenever, uh, whenever Adam and Eve fell, this curse came upon women where they would have a desire to control their husband, but God said, no, he will instead rule over you. Now, let me say this. This, I'm not, uh, this verse is not saying that you don't have any power. Um, I'm part of the Hispanic culture. I know a lot of Hispanic uh, married couples. Hispanic women traditionally have all the power in the family. And so I'm not saying that you, it's not possible to have power because in many of the Hispanic culture, women have all the power. What I'm saying is it shouldn't be that way. God did not create marriage to be that way. It is out, listen carefully, it is out of order and it will not produce a healthy marriage. God said the consequence for you, for your part in this. We're getting to men, so women don't think, well, I'm just picking on you. We're going to get to the man, the man in just a second. He's saying your desire will be to control your husband, but he's, he is the one that is to rule or to lead you. It shouldn't be that way. Why is when we do this, when we lead our husbands or rule over our husbands, let me tell you, uh, you emotionally castrate your husband. Men were created to lead. They are the head of the home in Ephesians, Ephesians, um, Ephesians 6. Men were created to lead the home. And so when women usurp the, that authority, you actually emotionally castrate them, which means you take their masculinity away from them. And, and when you take a man's masculinity away from them, they cannot become the man that you want them to be or who you need them to be. This is really important. I hope, I hope ladies, you're paying attention. When you take the, the authority away from them to lead the house or to lead the marriage, I'm not saying to, um, to do whatever they want to do, but to take the God-appointed role to lead the marriage, you, you, sorry for using this word, you castrate them and you take the masculinity away and then they cannot become the man who you want them to be. Even though you're trying to help and help them become a better person, a better husband, a better father, you take that away and they cannot become that person because it is out of order. Again, I don't believe this desire comes from a bad place. Like, I, I, re I really don't think. I think women, for the most part, are more emotion, are aware of their emotions. I think they're more aware of how healthy and unhealthy a marriage is. Um, 
And so I think a lot of times women see some of these issues and think, hey, I have to step up and say something. I have to take action because he can't see what's going on, right? He can't. How many of y'all would say, yeah, my husband, I have to, I have to tell him every day, hey, pay attention, pay attention to this or pay attention to that. Hey, the kid's that, the kid's this. Um, I don't think it comes from a bad place, but if it's but if it's out of order, it won't work. I remember when I was married, I was thinking about this I was, as I was preparing for my message. Um, when I was married, I can honestly say that the marriage was, was pretty difficult, but um, I don't think I was ever overly distraught or overly sad. I had this, I had this hope that things were going to work out, but one of the reasons I think that I wasn't overly upset or, or sad is because I don't think I really saw what the marriage was really, really looked like. And I think my, my, my ex-wife saw the whole picture and she was, she was pretty upset. And it wasn't until like um, 10 months after we were married, we were in this process of going through a divorce that I finally saw what my marriage actually was. And that's when I got really stressed out and I was like, okay, Lord, you're going to have to to do something, and so uh, I only bring up that story to test to, as a testament that women can see the bigger picture a lot of times, but just because you see the bigger picture doesn't mean you necessarily have to step into that role as a leader of the home. Because wives are keenly aware of their emotions, they were created to help husbands. So I'm not saying, ladies, that you don't have a say. I'm just saying uh, there's a way that you are to communicate it. Did you know that the Bible gives the Holy Spirit and wives the same name? The name is Helper. He gives wives and the Holy Spirit the same name. The Holy Spirit is given to the body of Christ to help us to know how we are to live in this life. We read this a couple weeks ago in John 14 that Jesus said, hey, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send the helper, and he's going to help you. He's going to remind you. Think of some of the similarities as I'm saying this. He's going to remind you of the true things that I told you, things that you should be, be paying attention about. He's going to remind you. He wants to walk with you. Ladies, how many of you know that men need reminding sometimes? But there is a way that we're supposed to do it. Although it's the husband's role to lead, wives have power and insight to directly help their husband. So the question is, okay, you're saying, all right, Josh, I'm not supposed to take that place of authority, but you say I have this wisdom and insight. So how? How am I supposed to help my marriage? How am I supposed to help my husband? I'm glad you asked. Turn to 1 Peter 3, verse 1 and 2. Uh, Ladies, um, as you're turning there, I want you to highlight this verse. I want you to put a star by it. I want you to memorize it because uh, you will lean on this verse for the rest of your marriage. First um, Peter 3 verse 1. It says this. Likewise. Likewise wives. Say that 10 times fast. Likewise wives. Be subject to your own husbands. So that even if some do not obey the word. they Listen to this. They may be one without a word. Without you saying anything to them. How? By the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct. I'm going to read that again. It says, likewise, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some don't, aren't following Jesus, aren't living their life in a way that is honoring him or surrendered to him, they may be one without a word, without you even having to say anything to them by the conduct of their wives. What is their conduct supposed to look like? Look at verse 2. 
when they see your respectful and pure conduct. I'm going to come back to respectful in a second. But you know what pure means? Uh, uh, wives, without manipulation. You're not twisting your husband's arm or making him pay a, pro- making him pay a price if he doesn't say or do something. He says, when they see your pure conduct, that you are, you're going, you are trying to communicate whatever it is that your husband needs to hear to him without trying to manipulate him or make him pay a price for not listening to you. He says, then your husband will listen to you. And then he says, with your respectful conduct. Respect is a man's number one need. It's their number one need. It's the thing that they need the most. If a husband does not feel respected, uh, then he cannot, be, he cannot step up to become the man that he was created to be. Listen to this. With respectful and pure conduct. This is a promise. This is what the word says. I'm not, I'm not the one saying this. The word of God says this. With respectful and pure conduct, you can commu- communicate anything to your husband. Think about that thing you've been trying to tell him, tell him to understand for months and maybe even years. I want you to think about how you've been communicating it to him. Have you been respectful or have you been uh, degrading? Have you tried communicating to him without manipulating him? Has your, can you say, hey, I've been pure before the Lord and before my marriage that I've not tried to manipulate or try to twist things a certain way for him to understand this? Let me tell you something about men, and this, is, this will help you out. Men, we're sensitive. We may not look like it when we're at the gym or with the guys, but deep, deep down, we're sensitive. How many men out there would, would agree? We're sensitive. Uh, I would say that men are like puppy dogs. What do we know about puppy dogs? They want to be touched, right? Puppy dogs, they want to be touched. They want to be, they want to be petted. They want, to be, they want to be talked nice to. Oh, you're such a good boy. Oh, I love you so much. Right? They want to be, they're like puppy dogs. And then what's the other thing? They want to be fed. They're just hungry. Have you ever seen your husband just standing there looking at you? Yeah, right? He's, you may not realize this. He's trying to get you to treat him like a puppy, to talk nice to him, to feed him, to touch him. But in many times, what, men, we get the opposite, get the opposite effect. What are you doing standing there? You know, don't you know better than, look at the trash. You need to go throw the trash. We get, we get the exact opposite response so many times. And we wonder why men are not stepping up to the plate. Men need respect, I'm telling you. We need, we need to be touched. We need to be told that we're doing well. Wives, absolutely, you can see some of the flaws that your husband has that he cannot see. But if you're going to help him realize those things, then you're going to have to encourage him. You're going to have to call out who you know he can be and not call out what you're seeing in front of you. It takes a lot of grace. It takes a lot of energy. But if you want him to become that man of God that you know he can be, that God wants him to be, that will encourage you to begin to encourage him. Begin to see him like a puppy. Talk nice to him. I'm telling you, I'm like this. I know I'm a, I'm a strong individual and I don't need a lot of this. But when it comes down to it, I need, I, need to be, I need to be communicated this way. And so that morning that I, I spoke to these ladies, I was um, 
I was in the shower, I was getting ready and, and, and just getting ready to, to go out the door. And the Lord gave me this illustration. He brought this verse to my mind. And this, is, this, is, this was at the beginning of the church. And, and, he was, and the Lord was already showing me that this was the vision to know Jesus, hear his voice, and follow him because I was hearing his voice. And, he, and I just feel like he said this. Um, I wasn't planning on doing this. Caitlin, Krista, come on up. <laughs> They're not prepared for this, but come on up real quick. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, um, do a little uh, show and tell. If, if you could come right here and, you, and one of y'all come right here. And so let's pretend, let's pretend, let's pretend they're married to each other. Who wants to be, who wants to be the wife? <laughs> Kayla wants to be the wife. And so let's pretend that your husband, Kristen, is just giving problems at home, not taking out the trash. And let's say this is your prayer. Okay, this is my phone. Let's say, and let's say I'm God. And let's say, and let's say you're offering your prayer to me. God, he, uh, Chris is not, do, not, not uh, taking out the trash, not taking care of the kids. And so you give me, you give me the prayer. The, pretend this is the prayer. You know what God does? God says, okay, you tell him. <laughs> and, and, and then what, exactly, that's what they, and then this is what happens. What happens is the wives will continue to get on to the husband or sometimes even berate the husband and try to give me back and say, God, how can we not do it? And God says, okay, I'm going to answer your prayer. You tell them. And then we keep going back and forth like this. Thank you so much. Y'all can sit down. (laughs) The Lord showed me that what God does when we pray these prayers, God says, hey, I'm listening to you. I'm, I'm going to give this back to you, the words, the thing that you need to communicate to your spouse, I'm going to give it back to you. But what you have to do is you have to give it to them a different way. He says, you are trying to make them become the person that, you, that, I, that we both want them to become, but you're being disrespectful, you're not peering your intentions, and you're, you're taking the masculinity the way that I've created him to have. And so this is what God does. He says, okay, you tell them. And you give it to them. But you better give it to them the right way because you give it to them the, the wrong way, it's going to have the opposite effect. And so this was the illustration that God gave me, and hopefully it spoke something to you. God wants, uh, wives, God wants to give you the power and the words to communicate to your husband the way he should be. Remember, we're called the help. We, uh, wives, you are called helper. The Holy Spirit is the helper. He helps us, but he does it in a way that we can, that we can uh, receive it. God wants you to be able to do that. And not only does he want you to do that, he's given you a promise that if you do do that, then, then your husbands will be won over. This is the curse. The curse is you want to, want to rule. The lie is husbands won't l- listen if you, unless you act. That's a lie from the enemy. That's a lie. The truth is you can move your husband to action by respecting him and sometimes without even saying a word because of your pure and respectful conduct. Is that okay? I hope it is okay, because this is, this is really powerful. This is a promise from the Lord. And I want to encourage you wives at home to take this. The curse is to rule, but you're not created to rule. You're created to help, and you can help, and you can communicate these things when you do it out of respect and out of pure motives. Now let's keep going, and let's address the men. Verse 17. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. 
By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. He says, one day you were created to live forever, but because you sinned, you're going to have to work the ground. You're going to have to sweat and work in the sun, and you're going to have to uh, get muscle cramps. You're going to have to get hurt. You're going to have to get blisters. You're going to have to work hard so that you can feed not only yourself, but your family. So this one's a little tricky. The consequence for men is having to work hard. This is the consequence. Now, if we left it there, most men would say, well, that's not a hard consequence. If that's all I have to do, I like working. I believe that for most men, um, they enjoy working hard, working with their hands. How many of you men would agree with that? Hey, I enjoy working hard, providing for my family. My dad and my grandpa are the hardest uh, working men that I know. So I, I, I would, um, if we stopped there, then you would say, well, this is not really a curse. But I believe that God is not just talking about physical work in this verse. I believe he's talking about emotional and relational work. Again, men are easily satisfied. We're like puppy dogs. You touch us, you feed us, you talk nice to us, man, we're going to be great. Women, on the other hand, <laughs> are not easily satisfied. Not like men. Not like, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not insinuating it. I'm just saying it's not like men. Men are like puppy dogs. Women are like cats. It takes time to earn their trust. Some of you all have cats, and you know that. They're not just going to come around. They may come around, but then they'll, they'll, they'll scratch you or whatever. It takes time to earn their trust. Women need to be romanced. They need, need quality time. They need to be told how much you care for them. And not only just told, but shown how many ladies out there would agree, right? It takes some time. You're not, to me, it's amazing. I was having a conversation the other day with a friend. It's amazing to me how women can not like a man at all, at all. And then after the man puts in some relational and emotional work, after a few months, they fall in love with that man, right? As a man, I don't understand that. Um, to me, it's like either you like them or you don't like them. But whenever a woman is given this time, affection, and energy, their heart can be changed. It's an amazing thing. You know what this spells for men, this type of energy? W-O-R-K, work. Because, man, we are good at working with our hands. We're good at bringing home the paycheck, bringing home the bread, the bacon, however you want to say it. But when it comes to putting in emotional and relational work, you might as well go work another whole shift, right? I remember the first time that women talk a lot. I was like 13, 12 years old, and I was in the kitchen, and my mom was talking to me. And, and I was being a good firstborn, <clears throat> and I was listening, and she was just talking and saying the same thing, but a different way, and I didn't know if it was the same thing, but it sounded like the same thing, and just saying the same thing, and again and again, I remember she said, I remember, I don't know if you remember this, mom, but you said, I, uh, I, I talk a lot, huh? <laughs> and I said, I guess she saw the look on my face that I was, um, my eyes are starting to go to the back of my head. Um, <laughs> But I was, I think that's where really we learned how to listen well. I'm just kidding. Um, just kidding. But men, how do you know that women will say the same thing five, ten different ways, but that they still expect you to listen to them? Right? That, what does that spell? W-O-R-K. 
the women need to know that women are not just trying to get you to, un- to understand their point of view. They're trying to see if you care enough about them to understand, to care about how they feel. How many of you women would agree with that? They want to know, do I matter enough to you that you're going to spend the next, the rest of your day listening to this story? I'm I'm, uh, exaggerating, obviously. You're going to spend the next several minutes listening to me, hearing how, how, how my day has gone or how this conversation with this friend that husbands you know that they're not even close to but they're expecting you to listen to this conversation they want to know that you, that the the your women that your wife means enough to you that you're going to care about her emotions and her feelings this is what it comes down to and for men it's very easy to to do the, this physical labor but when it comes to this emotional side it's very hard but it's something that we're called to Look at Ephesians 5 verse 25. It says this, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, and check this out, and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. He says, husbands, you are to give up your life for your spouse the same way that Christ gave up himself for his church. I say this, dur- I say this during uh, weddings, whenever I'm officiating weddings, I'm saying, wives, you are to submit to your spouse the way that the church submits to Christ because your husband is supposed to love you in the same way that, uh, that Christ loved the church. And how did Christ love the church? He died on the cross for his church. He basically said, I'm not coming into this relationship. I'm not coming into this world for anything that I can gain from it. But everything I say, everything I do, everything I think about, I do want with you in mind. This is the way a marriage is supposed to work. You, wives, if you knew your husband loved you to that degree, would you submit to him? Absolutely. Because you would feel one, a, a, a woman's, one, a woman's uh, wife's greatest need is security. You would feel absolutely secure because you knew everything your husband did, did and said was for you and for your family. Verse 28, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. He says, no one ever hated his own flesh. You are to love your wife in the same way that you love your own body. He says, um, in the same, just as a man nourishes and cherishes it. What does cherish mean? To hold or treat as dear, feel love for, to care for tenderly, to nurture, to cling fondly to. Men, some of y'all need to take that definition, write it down, and study it. This is the way that you take care of yourself is the way that God wants you to care for your, for your wife. Look at verse 31. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Notice, Paul is addressing the man. He says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. It's really not hard for a woman to cling to a man. It's a, it's a natural thing, but for a man, he has to make a decision after he's married. Am I going to elevate my relationship with my spouse above my relationship with my parents, with my brothers, my sisters, with my best friends, or am I going to keep things the way they are and hope that my marriage works out? 
He tells the man, you are to forsake in comparison to, you, I am to forsake every other relationship and to cling to my spouse and provide for every need that she has. Not just, uh, not just on the outside, but emotional and relational. Husbands, you have to realize you are not just a protector and provider. You are a lover. You are a lover. I want you to, I want you to consider this. I want every husband to, to, to think about this. When's the last time that you thought of providing for not just your family's physical needs, but for their emotional needs? When's the last time? And we think about it when you go to work, you think about that every day. I'm going, I gotta, I'm going to make a little bit more money so my kids can be in soccer, so they can go on this trip. We think about those things. But husbands, when's the last time you thought about your family's emotional needs? When's the last time you thought about your wife's emotional needs? When's the last time you thought, I wonder if she feels loved. I wonder if she feels like I understand her, that I'm trying to understand her. And not just, and not just wives, but your kids. I, heard, I had a friend one time tell me how their dad was a great, um, a great provider growing up, but uh, she remembers how growing up she, she's, she said, I wish my dad would just play with me, would have just played with me, just giving me a little time. Those things have long-lasting consequences. It's extremely important. You're doing a great job, man, providing for your family. But I think all of us, we need to step up to the plate because when a child does not have a father who shows them that they care in every way, they carry that. And they carry that into their first relationship with their boyfriend or, or girlfriend. They carry that into their, rela- their first, into their marriage, hopefully their first and only marriage. They carry it into their marriage. They carry it into all these other things because the father was not stepping up to the plate emotionally and relationally the way that they should have. Going back to, since it's Valentine's Day, going back to the relationship between husband and wife. Husbands, I want to challenge you. What are some of the things you did for your spouse when you first got together or when you were first married? What are the, and I want to encourage you, make a list of those things. Did you buy her flowers every week? Did you text her every morning how much you loved her, that you were thinking about her? Make a list of thing, Make a list of three things that you first did when you were married and when you were dating. I promise you if, you, if you begin to do those things, you'll see a change in your marriage. Put the work in, not just the physical labor, put in the emotional and relational work. And let's end with verse 32. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However... Let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Wives, you are to respect and honor your husband and trust the Lord. And it, it does require some trust, but you are to respect them and trust the Lord that if you are respecting them and, and you are pure in your attentions and motives, that the Lord is going to work on your husband. And then husbands, you are to love your wives as Christ loved the church in every way. You are a lover. You are not just a provider. You are a lover the same way that Jesus loves us. So I want to encourage you, don't just think about how you can meet your your family's physical needs, but how you can meet every other need that they have. And I want to take a second and encourage you. Um, I know there are some people watching. Maybe you're sitting next to your spouse and your marriage isn't good. Maybe on the outside to everyone else. On social media, it looks like it's at least uh, you're just halfway together. Maybe you look, it looks like you're really together, but you're not. Or maybe you're by yourself and you're separated. I want to encourage you that 
what God has put together, he has given us, and I'm talking about marriage, what God has joined together, he has the ability to keep together. I want to say this. There are many people watching that are married who you think, if, my, if God would just change my spouse. Let me tell you, God absolutely wants to change your spouse, but he first wants to change you. He first wants to change you because God doesn't, God doesn't necessarily want to change something on the outside. He wants to change something on the inside. What, what's happened is as we go along in life, we start off with, in marriage and it's going well, but then things happen. And then we begin to believe the lies of the enemy. And then we get discouraged and then we get disappointed and then things happen and then maybe separation happens. What God wants to do is he wants to remind you of his truth, that you're never alone. That he's always provided a way out of every situation. And that if you would just begin to honor his word when it comes to your marriage, as either wives respecting and honoring your husband or, or husbands as loving your wives, if you begin to do these things, even though you're not receiving it, uh, it the way that you're giving it out, that God will listen and he will bring your marriage back together. I believe the Lord is wanting some people watching to come into a place where you put your spouse even to the side and say, you know what, the Lord is going to meet all of my needs. I'm still going to love and respect and whatever I need to do, but I'm going to trust him that he's going to provide for every need, every, every desire I have, that loneliness that I feel in my, in, my, in my heart. I believe that he's going to fill that with his love. And as you begin to focus on him and, and treat your spouse the way that you're supposed to, you can, I promise you, you, can, you will watch and see your marriage come together and you'll have a better marriage than you've ever had. I believe that's for somebody and I believe, I know it's for every person, but I believe there's a, some specific people watching that, that you need to trust the Lord and treat your spouse the right way. And then I promise you, you'll watch as your marriage comes back together again. It is Valentine's Day, so I want to leave you with this, with a challenge. I want you to do something for your spouse. This is your homework. I may call some of you tomorrow morning or tomorrow, see if you did this. I want, if you're married, I, um, I want you to do something. I want you to communicate to your spouse that you love and respect them. And, and you may think, I don't even know how to do that. Well, you got, it's 1226. You can pray for the rest of the day. Maybe the Lord gives you something by the end of the day. I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, how can I communicate to my spouse? If you're a wife, how can I communicate to my husband that I respect him and honor him and the place and the role he has in our family and our marriage? And then husbands, how can I communicate to my wife that I love her no matter what and everything I say and do is because I'm thinking about her and thinking about her family? And so I want you just to think about that and I believe the Lord will give you, will give you something to communicate to them.